Hello, hello, welcome one and welcome all to the Around the World podcast. I am your host, the one, the only Clark Van Deventer. Hey, hope you have been enjoying some of the interviews I've been sharing on the podcast. All right. Today's episode, though, today's episode, we are back to regularly scheduled programming. So just just to bring you up to speed, just in case, all right, regular listeners of the podcast know, here we are now at episode 63. And on most episodes, it's me, yours truly, introducing you to some country somewhere on this great planet Earth. And regular listeners know that I teach a weekly class that meets on Zoom where I have been guiding a group of students, and students come and go, but guiding a group of students on a perpetual trip around the world. And I started this podcast because I have so much fun talking about these amazing places that I couldn't limit myself to my students and my classes. I had to start this podcast for you. But I have also started doing some interviews with people to get their perspectives on amazing places around the world. And I'm calling that the, why don't we do that series? It's just looking around the world in different ways. People do things, right? Just saying, hey, why don't we do that? So I've got four of those interviews published so far. More are coming. So check those out. All right. But again, today we are back to regularly scheduled programming. And our last country of focus was Cuba or Cuba. Now we are entering Central America and through a country that has a very intertwined relationship with the United States. Like just, okay, like just saying, the very first country outside the United States that Coca-Cola was available was Panama. All right, and why Panama? Because these two countries, Panama and the United States have a very intertwined relationship. It is a country that would not exist. I could say that with near certainty. Panama would not exist were it not for the United States. Um, that is the country of Panama. Okay, so we are coming up on a few weeks. We're going to do at least a few episodes in Central America. I have been to every country in Central America except for one. I have never been to Belize. But, I okay, I'm just going to say this. I feel like I have an interesting perspective on Central America, partly because my earliest knowledge of Central America... Okay, growing up, I was a Ronald Reagan fanatic. So early in my life, if I was reading about places like El Salvador or Nicaragua, I was reading about those places through the lens of being a little Alex P. Keating. All right, Family Ties reference there. So Reagan could do no wrong. All right, but in my 30s and then in my 40s, I spent a lot of time, I just want to clarify, in my 30s and then into my 40s, because I am just into my 40s. I have spent a lot of time in Central America, lots of time um, through these countries. 
and my perspective has widened and my views have right well if, if i've got a broader perspective i have just have a different view and look i still love reagan i'm sitting here in my office right now and behind me there is a signed eight and a half by 11 glossy of the gipper but history is complicated and i and i love reagan Okay, Central America, 1980s, this is the final decade of the Cold War. Reagan is trying to keep the commies out of Central America. Oh, and we're not, we're not going to go into all of this history today because I have some other complicated history to talk about. But first, okay, quick overview. All right, first, can you name all the countries that make up Central America? Can, can you do this? Let's... Let's just go from south to north. Think about this in your in your head for a minute. Can you go from south to north to get all the countries in Central America? This would be right everything basically north of North America and south of Mexico. Um, all right, so you're going to enter you're going to enter South America through you're going to enter North America or Central America through South America, right? Actually, the, the last country will be Colombia that's in South America. But then you're going to enter into Panama. Okay, then what's, what's after Panama? Costa Rica, then Nicaragua, Honduras, tiny little El Salvador on the Pacific coast of Central America. Then above, above those, you've got Guatemala and then Belize kind of sticks up in the upper right corner of Central America, and then you're up to Mexico. Um, and if you think about the shape of the North American continent, the, so this is the North American continent, right? The southernmost point of Central America, which is, I just want to clarify this, it is the southernmost point of North America. Because sometimes people are confused. Is Central America in North America? Yes. Okay, it is. It's just a subregion. Um, but uh, when we go to Panama, we are we are in the southernmost point of North America. We are also in the the easternmost point of Central America. Okay, so I, I just got to thinking as as I was preparing this, and my my thinking was wait, wait a second because if you think about Central America, you pro right there's Mexico and then. Right. Well, first of all, you got the United States, the Western United States. You've got Canada or not Canada. Well, you got Canada on the top, right? Canada and then the United States. If you think about the Western United States, you've got California and Arizona and New Mexico and Texas. And right, Mexico's below them. Um, and then below Mexico is Central America. But all of this is kind of veering to the, if you look at the map, it's all kind of veering towards the right. Right, it all is also veering eastward, and the further south you go, the further east you go. And I just got to thinking, wait a like, how far east do you go? And I was like, wait a second, is is Panama actually not only the southernmost point of of North America, but is it also the easternmost point? Is it also the easternmost point of North America? And the answer is no. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's closer than you think. Um, the easternmost point of North America is is in Canada. Um, Cape Spear in the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador is the easternmost point of North America. Now, Cape Spear is technically 
on an island off the coast of mainland Canada. But just looking at the map, it, if I want to find the easternmost point of mainland Canada, that there's a town here called St. Louis. That looks to me to be the easternmost point of mainland North America. That is 55 degrees west longitude. Um, the easternmost point of Panama is 78 degrees west longitude. So that is a difference of 23 degrees longitude. Okay, now you may be asking yourself, how far is 23 degrees longitude? And I'm just going to tell you that that's a that's a complicated question. Of course, it, of course, there's a complicated answer to this question because I love complicated answers. Unlike latitude, the distance between degrees longitude varies depending upon your location. They are the degrees are furthest apart at the equator, and they actually converge at the poles. So. How much further east is the easternmost point of Canada than the easternmost point of Panama? Um, look, <laughs> I don't know. I can't even explain it. All right. I'm just going to tell you, look at the globe. It's closer than you think. Panama is the easternmost point of, of Panama. Just It's east of Florida. It's east of the Bahamas. Like it's east. Okay, can we finally talk about Panama? Um, not just where it is. Yes, we can finally talk about Panama, but not without talking about another president who is, shall we say, complicated. And just like I love Reagan, let me just say this, I love Teddy Roosevelt, I love him. His man in the arena quote is one of my life quotes. You may, you may know this, right? Like I, I quote this all the time. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who, at the best, knows in the end the high triumph of achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Right? I love that quote. Mr. McDougall, who was a substitute teacher at my high school, was the first person to ever give me that quote. The quote comes from a speech he gave in Paris after he was president. The speech is called Citizenship in a Republic, and I consider that speech required reading for anyone who wants to be, who desires to be, do you, do you desire to be a fine citizen, a contributing member of society? you got to read it. It's a great, it's an incredible speech. So I, I find so much inspiration from Teddy. And he was, I believe, an amazing president. And the Panama Canal, 
The Panama Canal is a shining example of what can be done with presidential leadership. Like how, like how do they do it? How was the canal built? Uh, it was presidential leadership. An American president obsessed over it. He was determined that come hell or high water, a canal would be built and it would be built in Panama. That's why we have the Panama Canal. But, all right, this is where it gets complicated. Panama used to be part of Colombia. Like, it, it was part of Colombia. Why is Panama not part of Colombia anymore? Because Teddy wanted to build a canal. And he wanted it to go through the isthmus of Panama. And Colombia, Bogota, was dragging its feet. They weren't getting a deal done. And so Teddy supported a revolution and Panama became independent. And well, okay, I love Teddy Roosevelt, but thank you, Teddy, you, you just really complicated things for what now the next 100 plus years, like the United States right there created really good reason for countries in South and Central America to be a little wary of Uncle Sam. Okay, how it came to pass aside, the Panama Canal is amazing. I have seen it. My family and I spent three or four, three or four five days maybe in Panama City, Panama, several years ago. One thing I remember, we were landing at night. And I just remember our plane as we were descending. I remember seeing the ships just all sort of clustered near the interest, um, awaiting their turn to enter the canal. Um, if you want to have your mind blown, watch some videos about how the canal works or read some stories. The David McCullough book on the Panama Canal is amazing. When I was a kid, all right, when I was a kid and I thought about the canal, I thought about being like a river they cut right between two continents. And as a kid, right, looking at the map, I'm like, yeah, Panama's tiny. You just, right? Like, I never went to the beach as a kid, but I pictured it being like what my kids do at the beach. We're just going to dig a channel and connect these two bodies of water. Um, just to clarify, that is not what the Panama Canal is. Um, it is about 40 miles from sea to sea. At its highest point, it's about 85 feet above sea level. And to get to 85 feet above sea level, there's like a series of giant water elevators where ships move into these tanks. These locks open up, water rises. As the water rises, the ships rise, and then they proceed to the next section. All right, we went to the um, famous, all right, if you can picture the Panama Canal, you probably picture the Miraflores locks in your mind's eye. They're 20 minutes from the airport or downtown, like it's super easy to get there. So, so easy that like a few years after we had been to Panama, I was flying through Panama City with my kids. My wife was not with me. And this is a whole nother story and why she was not with me. But we had, I was with my kids and we had like a six hour layover in Panama City. And I was like, let's just, I wanted to just go back to the Panama Canal because my kids had been so little when they first saw it. 
I couldn't get my daughter to do anything. I was, she was like, I was dragging her or carrying her through the airport. She was so sick. Um, we ended up flying. We were, our final destination on that trip was Guatemala. Um, and when we got to Guatemala, like the next day we saw a doctor and the doctor was like freaking out because she had to have emergency surgery to have her appendix taken out. All right. And that, okay. That again is a whole nother story. <laughs> I'm supposed to be talking about Panama. Um, I asked my students this week, how much do you think it costs to go through the Panama Canal? Because, because right, the, the Panama Canal is like a, it's a, it's a toll road, right? Or toll bridge, just like I would pay a toll to, to have access to a toll road. I, I like this is a toll canal. And ships routinely, they routinely pay tens of thousands of dollars to go through the canal. Most expensive fare ever paid was like a quarter of a million dollars. And, and I asked my students, like, why? Why would you pay that much? Um, and of course, the alternative is another five or six months at sea and the cost of fuel and the cost of maintaining a crew. Maybe the cost of not getting your goods to market. Um, so, yeah, that's why. Uh, the Panama Canal was a major feat in engineering and in global trade. More than 25,000 people died in the process. Um, and th there was what we referred to as the Canal Zone. And this was, this was basically U.S. territory in Panama. And look. Over time, Panama grew to resent the fact that there was U.S. territory in Panama. 1964, Panamanians rioted um, after they were prevented from flying their flag next to the U.S. flag in the canal zone. Uh, Panama temporarily broke off diplomatic relations with the U.S. And then in 1977, uh, President Jimmy Carter signed the deal with Panama that the, the deal was that the United States was going to transfer control of the canal to Panama in 1999. Uh, that did happen, by the way, in 1999. Uh, the United States maintained the right to use military force to defend the waterway against any threat to its neutrality. So the U.S. paid to have it built, got the revenue for a long time, right? Opened in 1914, had all that revenue until 1999. Now Panama gets the revenue. Um, getting, getting back to Reagan, Reagan was not yet president, but he would run for president in 1976, lost the nomination to incumbent President Gerald Ford. And there's another story, that campaign epic story. Jimmy Carter won in 76, right? So it was, it was Carter who made that deal in 77. Reagan, though, had, was a vehemently opposed to giving up the Panama Canal. So had Reagan won, who knows how things would have been different. Um, today, the canal generates about $2 billion, $2 billion with a B, $2 billion a year for Panama, accounts for about 3% of its GDP. By the way, smallest toll ever paid to enter the canal, 36 cents paid in 1928 by American adventurer Richard Halliburton, who swam the canal. Okay, all right, just a few, few very quick other things. I loved, okay, I did, I loved Panama City. The fish market had some of the best ceviche I've ever had at the fish market in Panama. The Gamboa Rainforest, 
easily accessible from Panama City. Spent some very cool time there. I remember parking and realizing that in the parking lot, crossing the parking lot or attempting to cross the parking lot was an animal that I have in my list of the top five world's cutest animals. It was a sloth. Um, of course, it was a sloth, right? Um, it was also cool to see the Panama Canal from the Miraflores locks, but then to get up into the tower in the rainforest in the middle of the jungle and see the Panama Canal just kind of snaking through the countryside. All right, and how have I not mentioned this? All right, this is it. This is the last thing, seriously. All right, this is it. I'm going to wrap up. All right, Manuel Noriega, Panamanian politician, military officer, and de facto ruler of Panama from 1983 until 1989. He had a longstanding relationship with U.S. intelligence agencies and the CIA. I mean, he was buddy-buddy with the CIA. Um, but he fell out of favor with the U.S. The U.S. wanted to get rid of him. Uh, and he was, let's just be clear, he was a bad dude. All right. Um, George H.W. Bush was president. This is 1989, be beginning of 90. It's like Christmas to New Year's. The mission was called Operation Just Cause. And they're trying to get Noriega, bring him to justice, right? Operation Just Cause. Um, he ends up basically taking sanctuary in what is effectively the embassy of the Holy See, Vatican City, in Panama City. And, and right, like the Holy See is a foreign nation, and its embassy is a foreign territory. And the U.S. is trying to get Noriega, but for them to get him, like not only their religious implications on entering kind of like a church, right? But like, look, they've already invaded Panama. If they invade if they go into this building to get Noriega, they've effectively invaded the Holy See now also. So how are they going to capture him? How are they going to capture him? All right. So just going to tell you. Um, all right. You're going to, I'm going to ask this question and you're going to think this is so random. But if raccoons ever get into your attic, how do you get the raccoons out? All right. I, I have some experience with this. You play rock music like all day long, really loud in your attic because raccoons are nocturnal, right? So during the day they sleep. And if you play rock music in your attic really loud, you will make it inhospitable for them and they'll just get up and leave. So that's basically what the U.S. military did with Manuel Noriega. For several days, they blasted rock music outside the embassy. Welcome to the Jungle uh, by Guns N' Roses. Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. The End by The Doors. All I Want Is You by U2. Van Halen, The Danger Zone. How about this one? Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. Or I Fought the Law and the Law won. For several days this went on. And finally, he's just like, forget it. I give up. All right. You can find the whole playlist, which is actually part of the official National Archives. You can find the whole playlist um, on YouTube or Spotify. I'm sure other places, too. All right. Hey, that's it. That's it. I'm done. All right. Hope you've enjoyed Panama. Hey, hey, uh, I'd love to hear from you. 
All right. So if you're enjoying the podcast, shoot me a line. The email is clarkvand at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media, uh, Clark Vand on the gram, doing some fun stuff on TikTok as well. Um, and hey, links to all my classes that you can find at outschool.com and other places available in the show notes. We'd love to have your kiddos in my classes. All right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.